Well, this is the first of a new ongoing series entitled Lies My Preacher Told Me. Lies Preachers Tell. And um, I don't want to sound contentious for the sake of being contentious. I don't want to be um, argumentative for the sake of argument. Uh, but I do care about deeply how that certain preachers and traditionalists continue to lie to you and to sell their systems and to sell their traditions and to advance their confessions over the scripture. And uh, it's very clear. Jesus made it explicitly clear in John chapter 8 that if you continue or abide in his word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't say, if you continue in the tradition of the elders, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't say, if you continue following your rabbi in addition to me, you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, so, the point I'm making here is that we need to have a simplicity and a purity of devotion to the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and to his apostles as preserved for us in the New Testament. Now, that ought not to be a controversial statement. But when you make that within the environment of men and women who are utterly devoted to their traditions, to their systems of theology, and to the confessions that they advance, what you are up against is the same thing Jesus was up against in Mark chapter 7 when he rebuked the Pharisees and the, and the scribes for placing their man-made traditions and their man-made writings, their doctrines of men above and beyond and even setting aside the word of God, the commands of God. And sadly, this is what happens. If we could say legitimately, well, we're going to study the scripture and then we're going to look to our confession or to our catechism to try to better understand what the scripture says, that would be one thing. But that's not what happens. The great danger, the great error that has come down throughout church history is this propensity to take our confessions and read the scripture through that thick lens of man-made writings. Now, this is not a controversial statement in my mind. It just seems that it's very unwise that we would do that. And if you were to put it within that context, I would hope that most pastors and theologians would understand what I'm saying here, that the, the great task pastorally, especially with new converts, is to help them learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit within the inspired text. Not to just tell them to read their Bibles. That's not something they're going to know how to do well. 
unless, of course, they're taught. And so the primary obligation pastorally to a new convert is to teach them how to effectively and uh, contextually read the inspired text and develop that sensitivity, that hearing of the, of the voice of the Spirit in the text. Well, I listened an example here. I listened recently in horror, however, as a, a, to a Baptist preacher on YouTube do exactly the thing that I'm referring to here, the thing that I'm warning against. And that is to recommend reading the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is a Baptist pastor. To read the Westminster Confession of Faith because, after all, if you just give new converts a Bible, they won't know what they're reading. Yes, I, you heard me right. In fact, let me play you a clip of this man saying just that. Uh, the Church of England, the Church of Scotland, and man, they've got still some radical covenanteers that they say we dedicated Scotland to God and it's going to live for God, bless God. Now, my pastor, when I was growing up under him, he always said that we needed certain things like this. Very good, teachable, short, to the point things. What do apostolics believe? And I have grown over the years as a pastor for many years to see that is exactly right. That, you know, you just hand somebody a Bible... Well, there's a lot of interpretations of the Bible. No, you wouldn't want to do that. So how do you rightly divide the Word of God? And what are something you can distill the truth of the Word of God over? And so the Westminster Confession of Faith, if you've studied British history, especially, I mean, Charles is fixing to lose his head here. King James's son is fixing to get killed. And he's kind of going back to Catholicism a little bit. But the overwhelming... Uh, part of the church is Protestant, Anglican, Okay, well, we don't need to get into the history of it. You hear my point, right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 tell, me, tell me if I, if you think I'm wrong. If, if you want to send me an email at um, encounterrecovery at um, gmail.com, you're welcome to. Um, I, I hope that you share my... Um, Outrage, my my grief, my sadness, my jealousy. Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, he said, "For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy." Speaking to the uh, Corinthian church there about uh, those who were coming in and teaching uh, perverse forms of the gospel. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. End quote. Let me give you other, a couple other texts regarding what the biblical mandate would be for a pastor here um, to a new convert. It would not be to hand them a copy of the Westminster Confession and say, read this and learn to read the text 
through the lens of this confession. Because after all, if you just give them a Bible, they're not going to know how to read that. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so deeply tragic in its implications, it would be a joke. It would be hilarious. Is this to where we have fallen? You have to wonder if this pastor of a Baptist church saying these things, how common is this? I mean, I guess I don't know very few converts who get, ever get taught how to read. I didn't. I never got taught how to read the Bible. I was told to read the Bible. I was told to own a Bible. I was told to follow along while the preacher gave me a text largely ripped out of its context and told me what he thought it meant and called that a sermon. But I, I wasn't taught how to read the Bible. That wasn't something I was probably 15 years into my Christian journey before I even heard that there was a way that we should read the Bible. Peter, Peter tells the, uh, his readers in 1 Peter chapter 2, Therefore, laying aside all malice and deceit, in hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you have tasted the goodness of the Lord. James tells his readers, verse chapter 1, verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, laying aside, again, similar to Peter's language, laying aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in gentleness receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but become doers of the word and not merely hearers only, who delude themselves, by the way. Now, what is the great danger? What has got me so exercised? Am I just trying to be ornery? <laughs> Am I just one of those guys who has a contentious temperament? I'm always looking to pick a fight. Well, anybody who knows me knows that that's not true. I, I, I will walk on the other side of the street. I'll go out of my way by 200 miles to avoid a silly argument over silly things. So I'm not looking to just be contentious for the sake of contention. What I'm looking to do is help you protect yourself from the lies that preachers tell. And the reason is, is because it's a very serious danger to your spiritual and therefore your mental and your relational health. Okay, let me just read you why this is so important. What the dangers are here. I'm going to read it within its context. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He's trying to relate to them. He's attempting to communicate to these readers the exclusive, unique, final, and all-sufficient ministry of Jesus 
as our only high priest. And beginning in verse 11 of chapter 5, he says this, Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of teaching about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who, once having been enlightened, and having tasted of the heavenly gift, and having become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is unfit and close to being cursed and its end is to be burned. End quote. The very sobering reality is this. To neglect the word of God, to neglect so great a salvation, is very dangerous. To rely only on the writings and the sermons of men is to continue to live on milk, to grow accustomed only to milk, and not to become acquainted yourself with the word of righteousness as it is revealed in Scripture through the Spirit. In other words, what I'm warning against here is that to remain spiritually immature, chronically immature, and become dull of hearing. The NIV translates this, by the way, that you, you do not even try to listen anymore. I mean, you've got your teachers, right? You've got your clergy, you've got your creeds, you have your confessions, you have your liturgies. Why do you need to read the Bible? That's the mindset. That's the mentality. And to do that is to become precariously perched, dangerously close, and to flirt with apostasy which is an unspeakable state and a, a horror. So let me close now with just one more text, one more admonition. 
and that is the one that perhaps you're already very familiar with. And this Paul knew, Paul understood, the apostles understood this propensity to place the traditions of men and the writings of men ahead of the scripture. Or worse yet, to read the scripture itself through the lens of our traditions. In 2 Timothy 4, again a familiar text, we'll begin with verse 14 in chapter 3. He says, But you continue in the things you learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience in teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and strengthen you. May he grant you a heart undivided, utterly devoted him to him in simplicity and purity. And may you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in your love for him, and your sacrificial service to others. Amen.